Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Time to say very, very good morning to men on Sunday columnist, Mr. Dan Hodges. Dan, how are you doing? Good, mate. You? Very well indeed. Quite excited for the game. I mean, when I say, and I know that you probably would not, wouldn't be one of those to accuse me of, of hyperbole, but when I say that this is the most important football match in our history, I honestly think it is. Well, it's certainly the most important since the World Cup semi-final two years ago. But uh, absolutely. But I mean, this is this one's uh, this one's at home, and uh, let's hope it is coming home. I mean, I am a mix this morning of optimism and terror, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I yes. think we are a nation that is is becoming ludicrously. Um, if not overhyped, ludicrously over overconfident. I think Denmark are a better team than we're giving them credit for. No, oh, I agree with that totally. But I, I thought Ukraine. Them. But I actually thought Ukraine were going to be a better team uh, than they were uh, the other night because they really weren't I, that good. And I think actually England are a lot better this year um, and in with this in, in this kind of uh, engagement than than we think they are. We were fantastic against Ukraine. I mean, we we absolutely played it off the park. The one thing I would I, I would well, the two things I would say. A big part of the win was we scored at precisely the right time. Yes. We scored very early in the first half and the goal right at the start of the second half killed them off. Mm. And despite the excitement, and it's understandable, there was a period in the last 20 minutes of the first half when they shifted their formation a bit. I thought, hang on, we're in yeah. a bit of a, a, I know. another of those. Yeah, but I know. Aside, no, they were brilliant against Ukraine. Absolutely brilliant. But do you also agree with me, Dan, that we've been had such a rough old year, uh, 18 months practically, that, that this is more than football now. This is about the mood of the nation. And I know that people will say, well, it's not the same as Scotland or Wales. But actually, I think it is because I believe that if England were to go ahead and win the Euros, it would actually be so important for the nation's psyche and the state of our, of our, of our people that it would, it would be almost transformational. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I said this, you know, we really need this. We really need yeah. this and we've really needed this. And to be fair, whatever happens now, I mean, we, you know, we've had a fantastic run. We all know, you know, the sort of the background to the start of this. We had all the taking and these yeah. stuff. People have different views on, on that. But the way, you know, the way the, the country has come together, come behind the team, the way the, te- the way the team have been, actually. I mean, again, people may have different views, but, you know, I remember, you know, England teams in the past and, you know, some of them actually, you know, the players and managers, they, were, they weren't particularly inspiring people, to be perfectly no. honest. This, uh, you know, they seem to be a great, a great bunch of lads and Gareth Southgate is a, is, is a 
a, a sort of a great a great spokesman for them. Yeah, so, I mean, certainly you can't argue. With, you, can't, can you can't argue with his record in, in this tournament. That's for sure. I mean, I started off um, like many people thinking he's a bit dull, he's a bit boring, takes himself a bit seriously. But I can't argue with his success. Uh, and and more power to his elbow, as far as I'm concerned. And you know, you've often said uh, if you can't change your uh, your mind, then you're you're clearly um, a, a, an idiot. So so I'm going to take your view on that, and I'm going to change my mind and say Gareth Southgate has done a great job, um, and long may it continue. There we go. There we go. You see, this is we, we <laughs> so this is this is how this is how Gareth really unites the nation. Exactly. You, well, this you is get, it, right? You, get you to change your mind, Mike. Yeah. What, it, what, there we go. Exactly right. Now, talking of that, I was, I was, I was when I asked you to come on the other night, it was because you, you sent out a couple of tweets out about Sakir Starmer, who I think seems to have got it wrong again here. You know, as soon as we finally get Boris Johnson doing what he said he would do months ago, finally taking the bull by the horns, finally kind of shaking off the sage advice and saying we've got to do this because we have to do it some time starmer takes us all back down the the, the the rabbit hole again but this is the weird thing i mean you you said in your intro obviously we've got we've got pmqs at 12 o'clock i'm really going to be interested to see how how starmer starmer plays it because mm. you're absolutely right you know the starmer's immediate response to boris's announcement seemed to me he was basically you know setting himself setting labor up labor against it and was basically saying this is too much too soon but I was speaking to people in the Labour Party yesterday who, who, who said to me, look, we've got a difference on masks, mm. but that's basically it. On all the other measures, they were saying to me, and I'll be, as, you know, as I said, I'd be interested to see if Starmer backs that up today. They were saying to me, no, on all the, all the other measures, we do think it's now it, it, it's time out to get the country back on its feet. Right. So, I, I mean, again, I mean, obviously we have the Captain Hindsight thing. I think at the moment we've we've got Captain a bit all over the place yes. to be perfectly honest. And I think you know we we're gonna I think we're gonna need to have some clarity from from Labour today and in, in in the coming days about which aspects of this they actually back and which aspects mm. they don't. Exactly, because at the end of the day, I think one of the the most important statements of the week has been Sajid Javid saying, "I'm the Secretary of State for Health, not the Secretary of State for COVID," which I think is the first time we've really seen a government minister admitting that there's a lot more going on. Uh, in the world than actually worrying about a disease which appears to currently be on the wane. So let us get on with with the rest of it. And the thing for me um, as well about picking on masks is that, you know, the mask debate has shifted massively now since, say, this time last year uh, when people was at one point saying don't worry, shouldn't wear them, and then saying well, you should wear them. Now, there is no absolute consensus on it scientifically. Nobody's, uh, you know, and Starmer's certainly not saying if we don't wear masks, it's going to spread more because there's no evidence of that. I mean, I, I, I mean, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I, uh, I was saying this yesterday. I mean, I just don't understand why we have to have a big culture war about masks. The reality, obviously, some people uh, feel more comfortable wearing them. Some people, some people hate them with a passion. Fine, but the reality is, just setting, stepping back from everything. You know, in in, in two weeks' time, all social distancing measures are going to go. Mm. We're going to be back in the pubs, the restaurants, nightclubs, workplaces, shops, football grounds, in the way exactly we were before this whole whole mm. or the pandemic started. Now, you can have different views about whether you you think we should be reopening at that rate or not. I mean, I think we I think it's absolutely vital we do. But in that context, masks are going to make have a negligible difference. Yeah. You know, in, in that context, if we all continue to wear masks on the tube, tube or not, 
compared to us all being back in the workplace, not wearing masks, all being back in pubs, not wearing masks, all being back in restaurants, not wearing masks, all being back in football grounds. The, 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 the utility of masks in stopping the spread at that point is going to be negligible. Mm. So the idea you all have to have a massive row about it, it seems ridiculous to me. Well, it does seem ridiculous, and it seems to me that the people who want to have a massive row about it um, are just doing it in order to have a massive row. You know, I mean, why, for example, would Owen Jones say that you're a weirdo if you don't want to wear a mask? Why would George Monbiot say, you know, wearing a mask is the new defiance? You're kind of going, what sort of world are you people living in? No, I mean, we've got, you know, you know, we've had we've had debates and discussions about this, about about COVID for the best part of the best part of a year. But mm. I think you and I are probably in the same place now. Yeah. My argument was we've got the vaccine. The vaccine is the way out. We need to keep lockdown. We need to to keep restrictions in place until the vulnerable have been vaccinated, or at least have been offered the vaccine. Yeah. But that's happened now. Yeah. So as Boris was saying in the press conference, if not now, when? You know, if we cannot, if we're not prepared to actually remove restrictions now, when are we going to do it? You know, and that that goes for masks for masks as well yeah you can't in my view just keep saying to people you absolutely have to keep you have to keep with this this restriction after ev- after everyone v- vulnerable has been been vaccinated because yeah. that wasn't the deal that wasn't what we said to people no we this is the route out do the right thing you know i've been absolutely adamant about this get yourself vaccinated you're obliged to get yourself vaccinated the vast majority of people had that's it the other part of the deal now is fine. We start we start to go back to normal. Yeah, absolutely right. And actually, for the first time, I think Boris and his and his his methods appear to be based on uh, some form of logic because it's quite right to say this is a good time to do it. You know, schools are breaking up for the summer, so there's not going to be an awful lot of kids moving around inside school classrooms. You know, people are going to be able to hopefully go away on holiday at some point or other. So it's a good sort of, if you like. Um, fire break period if you want to say that over the summer exactly and we can see you know we see the figures you know we've had the whole data not dates thing we've seen the data it is absolutely true that infections have been been rising significantly mm. but it's equally t- equally true that at the same time hospitalizations have maintained at a manageable level and deaths crucially deaths have been virtually been virtually flat so if we're going to go by the data, we have to go by the data. And that's what the data shows. The other thing is I keep people, I see people, people saying in relation to masks, follow the science. As you pointed out, there's no avoiding this. The science is not clear on masks. No. And science has not been clear from the beginning. I'm sorry to keep reminding people about this. It wasn't that long ago. The experts were telling us masks don't work, don't wear a mask. And the only person who was telling us wear a mask saying we should wear a mask was caprice yeah now suddenly everybody's suddenly turning around saying listen to the, listen to the experts again right well, i'm afraid the experts on this as in many other aspects of this have not actually mm. been shown to have a consistent record yeah i mean i think there's no doubt that if you were to wear a particularly um well designed surgical mask if you were to find one somewhere for an awful lot of money which is what they wear in operating theaters i'm sure that probably does some good in keeping out various things from from getting into your lungs but aside from we're getting one of those, everything else is worthless, really. Well, I, I, again, I mean, I don't know whether I don't know whether they're worthless. I don't know whether they're, they're they're very valuable. All I know is at the start of the pandemic, I saw the experts telling me 
there is no evidence mask masks work now i'm not entirely sure what additional evidence has been produced since the since the start start of the pan pandemic but but either way the one thing that we do know is the efficacy of masks is they is they stop transmission but again if we've got the vaccine and we were told the vaccine is the route out of this if we've got the vaccine if people have been vaccinated then again we have to start going back to normal and if people other people want to want to wear masks then they're perfectly entitled to but i just don't think we can mandate people to do that and i don't think we should have a massive massive no, war over that no we shouldn't mandate people to do anything i think that's the point dan stay with us if you would uh, we're talking to dan hodges man on sunday commentator the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It is, of course, Freedom Day that we're looking forward to. It's also uh, Euro Day as well, because at Wembley tonight, live on TalkSport, you can hear it, uh, England take on Denmark to get themselves into the final to play Italy. It could be worth 50 million quid to the economy, for heaven's sake. We're talking to Dan Hodges, Man on Sunday commentator. And Dan, I just wanted to ask you about some of the things that came out from the government's lips yesterday. Um, isolation insanity is what it says on the front page of the Mail today, uh, because for some reason they've decided to change the quarantine rules, but not until the middle of August. And the thing that really puzzled me was Gavin Williamson coming out and saying, oh yeah, we're going to make it clear, clear that schools are going to not have bubbles anymore, children will not have to do all the things that they currently have to do, also on the 16th of August. I mean, does he not know that that's actually in the holidays? Yeah, I mean, I didn't understand that one. I mean, the the, the whole self-isolation one is is one that I am, I'll be perfectly honest about, I, I one I'm personally annoyed about because... Yeah. Like a lot of people, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I got I got pinged. Mm. I had to. I had to. I, I'm double vaccinated, so I, I got pinged coming back from the G7 summit. Right. Um. Now, in the run up to the G7 summit, as part of the protocols for that, I'd had to literally have a daily test. Mm. A week in the run up to the summit, I had to test every day I was down there, and I was obliged to test when I came back. Right. I've double. I've been. Uh, double jabbed but i still got pinged so i had to self-isolate now if you remember the same thing happened to michael gove yeah gove went to the european uh went to the champions league final got pinged but then for some reason didn't have to self-isolate well he apparently was part of a trial that nobody else has ever been a part of now i actually asked about <laughs> this, this this mystery trial i asked the department of health i asked number 10 mm. Can I have some details on this mystery trial? Because I'd quite like to get a, get on this yeah. mystery trial myself. And mysteriously, nobody ever rang, rang me back. That's a funny Probably, thing. No one could come up with any details of this <laughs> of this of this, uh, of this mystery trial that Michael Gove and only Michael Gove seems to have had access to. Mm. Um, so frankly, yeah, I mean, I think I, I think this is this is a nonsense. And certainly, you know, I, I just think moving forward, let's be honest about this. Once people have been double jabbed. If they get pinged, I don't think people are going to be taking any notice of the of, of, of the self-isolation rules. After well, I think that, the point know. about the NHS test and trace programme in its entirety, it's been a pretty useless um, endeavour. It's been a pretty big failure. And in fact, even the NHS are now telling their own employees to cancel the app because they all keep getting sent home and they'd rather they were still working. Well, also, if you remember, we were told at the time that the, the only sort of utility, if you like, excuse me of, 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 of test and trace or track and trace i never know what we call it is at the at the when infection rates are at a relatively low level yeah i mean remember you remember we this was this was the thing that was supposed to put germany ahead of ahead of everybody else yeah and then they, they got to they got 
to such infection levels in Germany. They said there's no point. It's just not there's too many people wandering around with it. And we're getting to that point here. So, but but again, you know, I think this is this is this is so important. You know, we are still trying to encourage people to get jabbed. We are still encouraging people to get get double jabbed. It's absolutely vital to me now that as part of that messaging is once you've got jabbed, you can go back to normal life. Yeah, but you, you can't know, say to yeah, but you can't say to other people who don't want to have the jab, Dan, that you can't go back to normal life either. Uh, no, I mean that's where I that's where I would that's where you and I would that's where you and I would 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 divert, yeah. sort of divert. Well, we've got we've got to disagree on something. I don't, I don't I don't see why I and everyone else has to go through the hassle of getting double jabbed to protect people who can't don't have the wherewithal to to get jabbed themselves. Yeah, but, that, but, that, but that's, again, that's part of government's um, responsibility. It's not down to you or to me or to people who don't want to get the vaccination. It's down to the government saying, look, we reunite we re the economy. Everything goes back to normal. If you haven't taken the vaccine, that's entirely down to you. Uh, but we're not going to do anything about that. No, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think the government, I think the government, uh, you know, the government certainly can't delay unlocking because of that. No. But, but equally, as I said, it is the responsibility of people to get people to get. Well, vaccinated. it's a choice. It's not their responsibility. It's a choice. So if they choose not to, that does not mean that they are worthless in, in, in the eyes of the uh, of the government or indeed in the eyes of society. Society is about freedom. And if you have a, a, a policy where you're telling people to do something or, or else they can't have something, that's not freedom is it no but it is but no but but freedom is also one of the one of the central pillars of freedom is we all have to take personal responsibility yeah if you all if the government had said to us here is the vaccination program this is the route out of lockdown and none of us we had all used our personal freedom to not take the vaccine we'd all still be stuck inside we'd all still be no we'd, no we'd because that would be their decision not ours right we could still have done all of the things that we've done the vaccination as far as i can see is a great success so uh, if people don't want to take it i think that may be foolish of them however uh, if you've taken it and everybody else has taken it who wants to be safe then what difference does it make to them because it means you're not going to get sick anyway uh, but like I said, the, the difference—the difference it makes is if everybody took that attitude, we'd all still be yeah, locked up. Yeah, but everybody didn't, and we oh. wouldn't have to be locked up. That would be just the government's decision. That's my point. You know, the government have said you'll have to be locked up until you take the vaccine. Then everybody took the vaccine, and we were still locked up. So you know, you take your choice. Don't but, you? as, but, as we, but as we're seeing, fortunately now, because people have taken the vaccine, we can, we can unlock, which is obviously what what you know what I've been arguing for for the for the last few months. I mean, I think this is, we're kind of getting into a little bit of, bit of bit of history here, but the reality is, you know, I've said this and there may well be people listening, listening who haven't had the vaccine. You still, in my view, it's your responsibility to get the vaccine. Otherwise, as we've, you know, as, as we've, as we saw, as we've saw before, it, it, if you don't get, if you don't get vaccinated, you get, if you get, if you get COVID, you go into hospital, you have to be treated. That's a bed that someone else, that's a, that's a bed that somebody else could be, yeah. could be used. But I mean, we've got to stop now because I'm running late, but we will have to have this argument more because uh, we'll get you back on next week and, and finish this up because it's an important argument. There's a lot of people disagree with you. I don't think that many people agree with you. I don't agree with you, but Dan, listen, thanks very much indeed. Dan Hodges, Man on Sunday commentator. Uh, you might have a lot to say about what he just said. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
was a very tense game last night uh, against Spain. I'm delighted to say uh, Stuart Pearce joins us now. Uh, England legend, West Ham, of course, uh, and Euro 96 hero, you'd have to say. And uh, a very, very uh, good morning to you, Stuart. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good morning to you. Now, listen, I haven't been as excited about an England game since Euro 96, I don't think, because you guys were very entertaining in Euro 96, and it was fantastic to watch, even though it didn't end eventually in in, in winning the actual title. But this time, um, it really feels like it could happen. Well, listen, firstly, that's a long time between excitements. (laughs) That (laughs) needs to change. We need to condense that a little bit more. I think this, this team and the manager of give us optimism to, yeah. to be excited. They think that, you know, three years ago, we, we got to a World Cup semi-final with this squad. Um, another three years down the line or one more tournament down the line, we're in another semi-final that shows real consistency amongst the group, you yeah. know, and uh, the performances have been very, very good as well. And incredible in a way as well that they haven't let in any goals. Well, this is the, the question mark pre-tournament. Certainly for me, would we be good enough to to stop efforts at a goal. Uh, the answer to that is yes. I think we've conceded less than 10 efforts at the goal. A lot of that is down to the line-up of the team. You know, we, I think with Phillips and Rice just tucked in front of the back line as well has been helpful to, to that stat. But listen, I think it's a collective. Every time your team are pretty frugal in, in conceding chances, it's a team ethic and uh, they've done extremely well. Yeah, no, they really have. Denmark at slightly different um, uh, kettle of fish to Ukraine. I thought Ukraine would be better on Saturday night, but maybe they couldn't be better because of the way England were playing. Yeah, I, I think the timing of the goals, I mean, we were 1-0 up after, you know, a few minutes, which knocked the stuffing out of them a little bit, and Harry Maguire's goal after half-time, I think, finished them off. And it was a very workmanlike performance. Mm. It was, You know what it's like when you've just had the result against Germany, you think there's going to be a real drop-off, but the the important thing for me and the pleasing thing for me was the consistency of sort of approach to the game. There was no sort of euphoria about the last result. It was very workmanlike. Yeah, it really was. So what do you think Denmark uh, are going to be the most dangerous at tonight? Um, I think firstly, defensively, they're very sound, you know. Casper's um, very, very good, obviously, between the, the six. and. Yeah. They've got three big central defenders that have got a lot of... A uh, couple of them have got a good experience in the Premier League as well and on very good form. They'll be a tough nut to crack defensively. Mm. But they've also got a, a front three that, that have scored goals. And the big, I think their biggest card of a lot is the togetherness. You know, the situation with Christian Eriksen yes. has really united a country and united a team and given them a cause to fight for. And... When you consider they lost the first two games of this tournament, they looked they looked out of it, to be yes. fair. Then all of a sudden, I don't know whether the Christian things added to the mix. It was tough on them losing arguably their best player, but it seems to have united the country and given them a cause to fight for. And it's, you know, it's quite a fairy story where they are at the yeah. moment. And they'll be saying, if we can go all the way, this is probably one of the biggest fairy stories since 92 when yeah. they didn't qualify. I turned up and won the tournament. Absolutely right. I was talking to Sam Allardyce um, before the last game and I asked him who he thought was the best manager in the tournament and he said probably Denmark's. Mm. Well, listen, to turn the team around and their mentality from two defeats, if you lose the first game in the tournament, the pressure that cranks up amongst the group is quite incredible. Yeah. You know, you're under pressure, you're in knockout football from the start. To lose the second... Uh, and from there to turn it round and get to a semi, that is an achievement in itself. Mm. And 
Well, I just hope that that achievement ceilings out tonight. Mm. And what do you make of uh, the way that the, 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 the England team seem to be quite calm and they seem to take everything in their stride very well? A lot of people are crediting Gareth Southgate with that. You've played at this level. You've managed at this level. Um, is it more pressure for a semi-final than it was for a quarter-final? Oh, without a doubt. You, you feel as though you're one step away. This is the worst... Uh, Time to go out of a tournament. I was at the, at the ground yesterday in Spain were, were, I thought, very, very good and the better side. Mm. But the feeling amongst the group, you could see it in their body language, having been beaten, knowing full well they played as well as they actually had and yeah. still gone. It's a bad time to lose. Semi-final is, is the worst time. I mean, it's worse than even the final. At yeah. least you know there's no more games to be played after yeah. the final and such. But... Um, yeah, the team are a reflection of Gareth and his personality. I think you know that they're, they're, you know, professional. They're focused, but they're calm and relaxed as well in equal measure. Yeah, and it will help, of course. Uh, you'll be at Wembley tonight, along with uh, however many uh, thousands of people are going to be there cheering England on. It definitely helped them, uh, didn't it, against Germany? So it should be a help tonight. Oh, it'll be a massive boost to us. I, th- I think the Danes will be well represented as well. I'm sure they'll get tickets. And uh, but I think the England fans will be fantastic. Um, I think it's going to be a real plus, and I'm just delighted that we can get fans back in the stadium, yeah. certainly for a, a game of this magnitude. Absolutely right. What do you reckon on the score? I know uh, some people don't like to make predictions, but if you want to make one, what do you think it will be? Uh, I think we'll win by the odd goal. I think it will be one nil. I potentially even going to extra time, but yeah. I think it's going to be a really, really tight affair with us being victors by the odd goal. I mean, I was nervous enough watching the penalties last night. I'm not sure I want to watch it again tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind if it goes to penalties. I think the preparation that Gareth and the team have put in in regard to penalties, I, I think we're as prepared as anybody. The only the only downside, I would say, if we do go to a penalty, I think they've got a fantastic penalty stopper in Casper Smichael, who's yeah. shown that for the years, you know, so he'll be a major card for them if it does go that far, but... We'll be prepared as anybody, so it's not a problem to us. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Uh, Stuart Pearce, thank you very much indeed. Stuart Pearce, England legend, MBE, of course, as well. He will be on uh, duty with Talk Sport tonight at Wembley. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. It's a big day. Uh, It's a big night. It's Wembley. Uh, It's the semi-final of the Euros. It's England versus Denmark. And who better to talk to right now on this very uh, radio station than Harry Redknapp? Uh, Of course, uh, the man that many people think 
could have been the England manager, should have been the England manager. Harry, very good morning to you. Mike, good morning. How are you doing, sir? Very, very exciting yeah, day. Good. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to tonight. And uh, it'd be a good game. I, they're a good side. You know, I think we've got to be careful we don't underestimate them, Mark. But um, I do fancy us to get through. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I was talking to Stuart Pearce earlier. I was amazed at how England were able to roll over Ukraine because Ukraine looked a pretty good team to me uh, in the group stages, right? And and when they got out of uh, that and they got into the quarterfinals. But but I, I wonder if England just kind of steamrolled over them. Well, we, yeah, I think Denmark are a better team like, than Ukraine. Yeah. I think we're going to have a t- You know, you look at their team, the goalkeeper, obviously, you know, Schmeichel plays at Leicester, fantastic keeper. Yeah. The two central defenders, a boy at Southampton, they've got... The, the Christensen who played uh, for Chelsea in the, yeah. in the Champions League winning team. So, they've you know, they've, they've got some, some good players in their team. It would be a, a much more difficult game, I think. Tonight. Yeah. And also the fact that they do play in England, they'll know more of the England players than, than, than the Ukraine guys did. Yeah. I mean, they've got a couple of lads at Brentford who yeah. uh, have just got promoted this year. So, you know, a big game for them as well playing tonight. So, yeah, it's got the makings of a great game, but we are... I, you know, I think we've got a good team. We've got good players. Harry Kane's just hitting form now. Yeah. Three goals. I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up leading goal scorer in the tournament. I think he could go and score some goals in today and also in the final if we, you know, hopefully we get there. So I could see him end up uh, finishing above Ronaldo, who currently leads the, mm. the top goal scorer in this with five. Harry's got three. I can see him getting another. Th- I think it could, could get at least two or three to equal him or beat him. Because the trick in these tournaments, Harry, isn't it, is, is to get better as you go forward. And England haven't yeah. always done that, but they seem to be doing it this time because their worst game really was against Scotland, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the toughest game, Mike. They were, you know, again, like you said earlier, they they know the players, they know the game in this country. A lot of them play in England. It was, it was a difficult day, difficult game, but... Um, no, we've gone from strength to strength since then. Beating Germany was always special. And then that winning uh, in, in the beating Ukraine when we went to Italy and Rome and played them, that was fantastic. So yeah. we're on a roll. The team looked good. The manager's doing a great job. There's every chance I think we can go all the way. Absolutely right. And what about uh, Italy and Spain last night? I mean, that was a real uh, uh, sort of nail-biter, wasn't it? And the penalty shootout, incredible stuff. I mean, Italy looking pretty good. They are, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, having watched the game, I, I had more fear about playing Spain, I think. They looked, uh, you know, I thought they looked mm. useful as well. Both good teams, you know, but uh, Italy have been on an unbeaten run since Mancini took over. Yeah. I'm not sure how many a ridiculous amount of games. So that would be another tough game if we get there. But I think we've got to take one at a time. Let's get tonight out of the way. Let's beat Denmark and then we can start thinking about Italy. But it'd be a great atmosphere at mm. Wembley. The Italians, as you know, they love their football. Yeah. They'll, be, they'll be there in their numbers up for the final. And if we go, you know, it'll be a, be a great spectacle. Great, great oh, it day. Will. Absolutely sure. right. And as far as um, tonight goes, do you think Gareth Southgate will start with the same team he started with against Ukraine? He might make one change. I, I'm not sure. I think that, you know, it's who he plays... Does he does he make the... what? Does he bring back a Foden or does he... I don't think he'll play Grealish, but he may decide to make a change. Um, well, Saka's fit take, now, isn't he? Yeah, he could bring him back instead of Sancho. That's the only change I could see possible. Other than that, he'll either be the same team or, or maybe just a one change. He might tweak that yeah. right side of that position. I mean, that's the great thing about this team, isn't it? I mean, there are three or four interchangeable <coughs> players who are all very good uh, on the board. Everywhere. Uh, and, and it's the probably... I mean, I don't remember the last time that was the case. No, we do look strong everywhere. You look, you know, even... 
the start of the tournament, the boy Mings came in at yeah. the back and never put a foot wrong. And mm. suddenly, you know, Harry Maguire got fit and got left out. But, it, you know, he, he'd been outstanding. So, and we've changed the right backs. We've had Trippier, we've had Walker, we've had James, we've had all, whoever's come in has, has, has been excellent. So, yeah, real strength in depth in this squad. Yeah, it's been amazing. Want to fancy making a, a prediction? I fancy, I think it'd be 2-1. I think it'd be a tight game, but 2-1. Uh, okay, lovely stuff. Well, Harry, enjoy it tonight. Uh, you can, of course, listen to it on TalkSport. Watch it on TV if you like, but listen to the commentary on TalkSport. Thanks very much indeed. Harry Redknapp, of course, uh, a man who could have been uh, the England manager at one point. Didn't quite work out that way, but has managed many, many different uh, club teams. Knows an awful lot uh, about the current players as well, of course. You can hear it, as I say, on TalkSport uh, tonight from 8 o'clock uh, live, of course, from Wembley. It's going to be a great night. It could be an absolutely historic moment. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I know people who have gone to Ibiza. I know people who have gone to Spain. I know people uh, who have gone to mainland Spain, I mean. I also know people who have gone to Greece. You know, um, I'm not sure how that works because you're not supposed to be able to, but apparently, apparently you can. Let's talk to Lisa Francesca Nand, uh, who is, of course, uh, creator of the big travel podcast, Travel Expert as well. Lisa, very good morning to you. Good morning. So, um, I, I confess to being completely baffled at this moment by uh, all rules which apply to going anywhere because um, I see people going places and I'm told that we're not really meant to, so I don't really understand that. Um, how is it all working? Uh, it badly, I think, is the, uh, <laughs> is the succinct answer to that. It's badly and it's not working, but you're right. I mean, I'm hearing of people going away. I've got... Um, Friends that have just come back from Ibiza, which is on on the green list. Right. Friends that have come back from amber list places, and they're they're meant to be isolating. So it is all very confusing. But um, there is a rumor. Rumors are not always correct, as we know. Um, there is a rumor that something is going to be clarified tomorrow. Right. And um, what that rumor of the clarification is that from um, the nineteenth of July, um, double vaccinated Brits will be able to come back from from amber countries and not have to isolate. Right. Um, I, I hesitate to, to say that's going to be a fact until it's actually announced, but we've got it from good authority, apparently um, in the government, that this is going to happen and that Boris Johnson actually wants this to start happening from the 19th of July to coincide with what they're calling Freedom Day. Yeah, yeah because if you are going to say to everyone, master off, you know, social distancing is cancelled, uh, everybody can go and stand as, as close to one another as, as they like at a bar, you might even be able to hug someone you have never met before, great. You know, but if you can't travel, uh, it doesn't make any sense, does it? So maybe he wants to have some kind of uniformity, I guess. I think some sort of uniformity, some sort of uh, direction for the very beleaguered travel industry would be absolutely brilliant. I don't know if it's it's too late, you know, to save summer. I do know many people anecdotally who are saying, well, actually, I'm not going to bother booking because you could be somewhere. It could change rapidly. The laws aren't clear and people don't have the, the luxury of, of just taking off like that, you know, without planning their lives around it. So. I really hope that it's not going to be too late to save summer. Of course, the 19th of July is uh, before the uh, just in time for a lot of the schools to break up. But, you know, like I said, a lot of people don't have the luxury of that sort of freedom to sort of go away spontaneously. Well, that's the thing. And I mean, the mail this morning saying the quarantine uh, staying in place until mid-August is a real problem uh, for an awful lot of people because also many people haven't got the second jab if they've got the first one. Some people who haven't been jabbed at all for whatever reason presumably won't be able to go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, there, there is that that thought and a lot of people who, who either can't or won't have the jab will think that that is, uh, you know, discriminatory. But 
Um, I would have said that a few months ago as well, but now I'm thinking, you know what, we just need to get people moving. And mm. if that gets people moving and it's a shame for, you know, the younger people or people who haven't been able to have or, or don't want to have the jabs, it is a shame. But in terms of get, getting things moving, it's not just about holidays anymore, is it, Mike? It's about all the the jobs that are at stake. Yeah. Like I was in, I know you're 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 in central London. I'm in here in Brighton, but I was in central London on, on um Sunday and I was really, really surprised at by how quiet it was. Yeah. It was the I was in Greenwich, southeast London, which is where I used to live. So I, it's a place I know well. And there's no foreign tourists because no. we're not we talk about we talk about going away and people want their holidays and people want to travel for all sorts of reasons. Brilliant. Let's hope we can do it. But we're actually now talking about getting people into this country as well. You know, there's not enough of us to go around and, mm. and spend money. Inbound tourism normally makes us around fifty-three billion pounds a year. We're missing out on all of that yeah. at the moment. So, no, I mean it's amazing. Know, I, I, I'm the same. I mean, I, I was out for dinner in Kensington last night with um, with my friends from Scotland and uh, in Il Portico, and I took a taxi from here, London Bridge, because I was running a bit late. I ended up staying late in the office took a taxi from here to Kensington and at no point, apart from stopping for a red traffic light, was I in a traffic jam. And this was at about sort of quarter to seven at night. And I'm thinking, normally yeah. that would have taken me about an hour. It took me 20 minutes. There's nobody out there. And it, it's a story that's repeated across towns across the UK at the moment. I'm in here in, here in Brighton. You know, I walked down the beach on a, on a Friday and Saturday and you'd think it was really busy because there are people there but go to like the quieter areas go to the back streets and it's really dead compared mm. to normal and I think adding to that a lot of people you know who live here are actually not going out we've got people have got kind of got used to yes, not going out I and not spending true. money yeah. and, and and staying in more so you know we really really do need to open tourism and I, I would have said that double jab thing is oh what a shame for those people that are not going to fall into that double jab category but actually we, we just need to get things moving and i just hope that people will see that and also there will be the possibility you can it is still legal to go away it is now legal from yeah. the 17th of may i think it was okay it is legal to go away so it's if you're not going to so be you don't any, so you don't any that. longer have to show some kind of proof that you need to travel or anything like that no but it, obviously it depends what country you're going in because you know we talk about tourism in, in terms of us going out the country obviously it depends what country you're going to you know there are countries on the green list of australia and new zealand who won't let us in at the moment so if you are planning on on going somewhere you've got to uh, as we say check before you travel where right. you're actually going that they're actually going to let you in but it just seems ridiculous that we're not you know we can't go to the usa for, for example no. at the moment that's a a huge business link that mm. we're, we're completely missing out on it's just it's horrifying and i really hope the news tomorrow is actually going to you know we need some clarity and some direction now and, and to just get things moving we yes. really do and i was told again on the rumor mill which may or may not come to pass that some more countries may be added to the green list yes that that is a possibility um but we thought that before we thought that four weeks ago as it mm. is now with with portugal and we thought more more we were talking about malta which was eventually added but we were talking about lot the usa actually we thought might be added as mm. well and then it wasn't and then you know do you remember when we had the g7 summit everyone was talking about opening up a usa yeah. uk corridor that that went quiet i mean what happened there so you know the the i, I don't know where these link, leaks and rumors come from we all spring on them and think yay that's a great possibility this is going to happen and then suddenly someone in the government changes their mind. The leak was wrong. I don't know how it works, but, you know, we, we don't need leaks anymore. We need proper information. Mm. We need it now. 
Well, I feel as though the sort of the, the dam was broken, if you like, on Monday by Boris when he said that, you know, we knew we do have to lift the lockdown because we'd have to lift it at some point, And now is as good a time as any. And so it feels as though with the change of uh, Secretary of State for Health, Sajid Javid coming in, they, they seem to have a bit more focus now on other things, not just on COVID and making sure everybody stays inside. You know, they seem to feel like it feels like they want us to get out and do more things. So hopefully that follows that then travel will, will also uh, be, be improved. I mean, it's a toss up, isn't it, between the economy, uh, keeping everyone indoors and health in terms of you know mental health and the, the, the struggles that people are going through yeah. because they aren't out there earning a living or because they're, they're banned from seeing their friends and family abroad or because they want a simple holiday or because the people aren't coming in here and spending their money in their taxi or their cafe. You know, mm. it's all, it's a balance. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be making the decisions. I, <clears> I really wouldn't. Uh, we do seem to have very high rates of the coronavirus uh, spreading in in this country at the moment. I know several people with it at the moment, yeah. but uh, hopefully, I'm not a scientist, not my specialist area, but hopefully the vaccines have broken the link between serious illness uh, and, and death and hospitalisation. Um, so, you know, we, we do need... This time last year, we were travelling more. We had no vaccination at right. that point. We had no vaccines, right. you know. We're, we're know. in so much of a different position this year, and that should be reflected in the in the rules regarding travel. Well, I seem to remember, I don't remember if it went into July, but I remember going to the supermarket and you weren't wearing a mask either because, you know, there was no requirement for that. I can't remember, to be honest. I can't. And I think so many people are like that. It's like, what happened when? When the rules changed? That was so confusing. Do you remember the 10pm curfew? Yeah. Do you remember the substantial meal? Do you remember um, the, the, the Scott Jegg? Yes. Scott Jegg gates, as we like to call it. You know, it's so so many things and i get it it's experimental nobody knew what they were doing everyone was totally winging it but you know we've lived with this for however you know well over a year now it's like now is the time for clarity and getting on with it and if you're nervous you don't have to travel you don't have to get a vaccine nobody right. is forcing you um but if you if you want to get out there and, and do it the opportunity should absolutely be there yeah, absolutely right. Lisa, thanks very much indeed. Lisa Francesca Nand there talking to us from Brighton, uh, where it looks rather nicer than it is here. Uh, of course, it's a bit grey and dull here, but it's probably just as well, because uh, you don't want the weather to be too hot. You don't want it to be too wet, uh, which it was yesterday. Unbelievable. Uh, actually clattering down of sort of monsoon-like rains yesterday evening about six o'clock, which is why I ended up taking a taxi, because uh, I thought I'm not going to get soaked and turn up looking like a drowned rat uh, going out for dinner. So, um, what are you doing tonight? What are you doing this weekend? Are you planning on trying to go anywhere are you able to book anything are you having any luck whatsoever but mainly what's wrong with these people who want you to keep wearing a mask when even the government says you don't have to talk radio across the uk online on dab and on your smart speaker the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Imagine the 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.